Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Good evening, everybody. I just want to wish you a good evening, and some places it's good morning. But I'm your featured host, Shaw McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers for every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow me on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the paranormal and sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During this show, I can take questions in order in chat, and you may call in with your questions and speak with our guests after our initial interview. Any buzzkillers in chat or on the phone will be kicked out, and I'll have a copy of your information, and I'll call you back and bug you. So no buzzkillers, and be polite and play nice. I just have a announcement. Uh, Ciro is coming up with their July event on July 12th. So that's going to be tomorrow night, and the doors open at 6:30, and it's going to be about the Cisco Grove UFO encounter in Mexico's Roswell with speakers Ruben Urate and Noe Torres. And it's going to be at the Veterans Memorial Complex at 4117 Overland Avenue, and that's in Culver City. And uh, you can find out more information by contacting www.cerointernational.com. Uh, and you get, I think it's only 15 bucks at the door. And I will be there. And uh, so bring your guests. And it's going to be an exciting night. And everybody actually goes out. Uh, we, rent, we rent out a room at Denny's after, and everybody has dinner together. And uh, it's always an awesome uh Speaker presentation and also the fellowship after. Sometimes we don't even leave till three in the morning. It's crazy out there in Culver City. But anyway, uh, tonight we have a very special guest, and um, her name is Lorraine Flaherty, and she's an international therapist and trainer who has created the process of inner freedom therapy, which incorporates the tools of hypnotherapy, NLP, past life regression, future life progression, and life between lives. And I want to ask her about all those things, because some of these things I haven't heard of in the inner child therapy and clearing energy and spiritual attachments that help people to reach their uh, full potential. She uh, teaches clinical hypnosis to medical students, doctors, dentists, and midwives in the U.K. universities, including Oxford and Cambridge. And she has a, uh, a, a budding uh, central uh, London office uh, that... Um, runs workshops and retreats and a variety of topics, all connected to personal empowerment. And she is very passionate about helping people change their lives. And her personal experiences have taught her the answers to most life problems lie within. And uh, she's just a magnificent person, and uh, I've met her. And she has uh, starred on many TV shows, radio, television, music, and film, and uh, she works uh, ex- extensively with uh, people around the world. 
and I would like to introduce Lorraine right now. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. You're live. Thank you very much. It's very good to be here. Uh, I meant you, I don't know if you remember, uh, you were here in Southern California and you're up at Vaughn's Loft in North Hollywood with Stephen Bassett, and that's when I remember you. I'm the, the red-headed lady. That's right. I remember you very well. That's right. I remember you too because when you walked in, I didn't know who you were or at first, but I had this feeling about you that um, you're quite an extraordinary uh, human being. I don't know how you turned out like this, but... <laughs> As soon as I meant you, I went, this girl is really something, you know. You have a depth to you and an inner and outer beauty that I, I much appreciate. So we really appreciate having you on the show tonight. Well, thank you very much. And I want to thank you again because, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning where you are. So I hope you had some sleep or rest, you know, I hope. Oh, I managed. I just managed to keep going. There's always stuff to do, so the early hours are quite uh, they're, they're quite good for me because that's when I get a lot of my um, creative work done. So yes, yeah, so the same with artists uh, and writers and everything else. So that's this uh, really uh, true. Now, uh, in your your first book, Healing from Past Life Therapy and Transformational Journey to a Time and Space. Uh, you have uh, incredible uh, stories about your clients, mm-hmm. and uh, some. I, I was reading some of the, your stories; uh, they're really uh, impressive. And then you have your own stories that are that are really something else. And uh, do you want to give everybody your background and tell them about you, that the people that don't know about you? Sure. Yes. Uh, well, I guess I've always been on the spiritual path. Ever since I was a, a small child, I was always aware that there was more to life than the stories I was being told, and particularly being born into an Irish Catholic family where there was a lot of dogma and a lot of uh, you know, being being told to believe things in a certain way, and I was never good at that, and I always questioned everything. And my beliefs were that we were so much more than than just the beings that, that we saw ourselves to be. I always believed and, and talked about past lives from a really early age. I, I'm, I think I remembered uh, lives in Egypt and all sorts of things. But, of course, people put that down to imagination. And I think I was very aware of other spirits, other beings, and, uh, and, and aware of, uh, you know, ET energies as well. And... Uh, Again, all of those things really just got put down to imagination when I was younger. But I wanted to search to find the truth of, of who we were and why we were here. That was my overriding question, even as a really young child. And religion didn't provide the answers. My education didn't provide the answers. So I guess I've been seeking my whole life, really. And I studied many books, and I, I worked with many amazing teachers around the world and the the answers always came back to the fact that the information about who we were was inside of us and that what we had to do was to go inside whether we used meditation or hypnosis or trance in some way to get access to that information and I've been really blessed along the way to to learn those those tools those skills to be able to access the subconscious and as a result of that developed 
the, the, the process that I now use that, that really involves me being a bit of a spiritual detective, I guess. So people come to me with challenges that they're facing in their lives and I put them into the hypnosis, into the trance state and then guide them really into finding the answers, finding the, 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 the truth of who they really are and reconnecting them with the, uh, yeah, the truth about them being multidimensional beings and, and helping them to find the, the stuff that's blocked, the, the unfinished business, the unresolved karma, and helping them to move their way through it. So it's, uh, yeah, I feel very blessed to be able to do that with people. Yes, and um, before, you know, I've, I've been aware of this, of course, my whole life, because uh, I, my my grandmother was a spiritualist, and uh, mm. my mother was really into having uh, her you know, root cards read or anything else. I've been kind of aware of this the whole time, you know, and right. also uh, the juxtaposition against it, being against what, what uh, my mother was saying about the church. You know, she mm-hmm. was saying that we're not supposed to be doing this yet. We'd be going over there, and I'd have to wait on the courts while she had her cards read and stuff like You know, it was like, right. always yeah. like a little conflict growing up. And, uh, but, well, I had, so I didn't have... Uh, the way I felt about reincarnation was I, I actually just refrained from making an opinion on it because I don't know. That's the way I felt. <laughs> Until I met you. And what you <laughs> because I think I was the only one in the group that did not raise my hand when you asked um, does everybody believe in past lives. And I was just thinking, well, I don't have proof for it, so, you know, I'm willing to listen. Mm-hmm. But the way you put it, I'm telling, I've been telling everybody ever since that the way you put it was so astounding to me and it actually has changed my whole outlook, you know, on this whole subject. That the well, way you put it it's at the quantum level that we never really disappear. Uh huh. Yeah. And I found that absolutely. profound. Yeah, that's the the truth. We don't. Eternal. Yes, they are. Mhm. So when you said that it made perfect sense to my practical person part of me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things that that I was definitely born with was a a need to understand the mechanism of how things work. So I have a very scientific brain in that way. And so I've never been somebody that was prepared to accept what I read or what somebody else told me in order for me to really understand things. I've had to experience it for myself. And over the years, I've learned to really trust my own intuition my own inner guidance system so i guess it's 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 the same for most people you know when something fits right when something sits well with you or when something resonates when there's you know there's a there's a certain vibration that happens when you experience something that you know to be true and that you 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 fully align with and i have to say even in the early years when when i first started to practice that my logical brain was still sceptical about whether or not past lives were real. And I, my my first years doing hypnosis, I was very much focused on the clinical aspect of it and, and hence teaching doctors and, and midwives how to do clinical hypnosis, which was usually for pain control or for dealing with habits or, uh, you know, anxieties. And the, the past life work was a, almost like a guilty pleasure it was something that was almost my sideline. It was almost the, the hobby part of it. But it was only when I started working with it 
and recognizing the, uh, the, the, the means by which accessing the information that's, that's stored in these past lives could help people that I really started to take it seriously because sometimes people who'd had problems for many, many years and they'd tried all kinds of different things to resolve them, they would have one past life session where they would go in and, and discover the root, the, the, the cause, the, the initial um, starting point of the challenge, whether it was to, to you know, determine whether or not they could love themselves or being tested to see if they could stand up for themselves or, or whatever it might be. And when they got to the, 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 the core of it, where it started, there was an aha moment, which made sense to them so they realized they didn't have to run the program in this life but also the 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 process has evolved over the years to mean that people not only do they get a sense of understanding but they get to connect with the people that were involved with them in those lives and forgiveness happens and people start to recognize that they've chosen the experiences that they're having in their current life and they, they chose the experiences that they were having in their past lives. So they become empowered. They, they, they very quickly stop being a victim in their lives and wondering why bad things are happening to them and realize that at a certain level that they chose to have these experiences. And so it's really profound. And that shift is, is just quite extraordinary. It really does lift uh, a whole weight, a whole burden from from people's lives and guilt is released and all kinds of things. So the dynamic of relationships changes and the perception, the belief that people have about themselves alters completely. And what started to happen was that people were getting information about these past lives that they would then be able to verify on the internet and the emotions that they had through the sessions were so powerful that it couldn't possibly be imagination. And so, I, you know, it's, it's a, probably 12 years now that I've been doing this. I've done thousands of these sessions. And each one I do is more extraordinary than the, the, the one beforehand. And so I have just been more and, and more convinced that, that these are real. There is, there is no question in my mind now that what we're tapping into is an experience that the soul is having on its journey through through its own growth and that each person is going to go through many, many lives in order to learn everything that they need to learn so that they fulfill their, their soul purpose. About uh, how many, Lorraine, would you say uh, would it be would it be in the the hundreds or thousands of lifetimes that a person would go through? Yeah, it, it completely varies for each individual because I think each soul has to go through the experience of all that life has to offer. So they're going to go through rich and poor, healthy and sick. They're going to go through, uh, you know, all the different combinations that, that life can offer. And there will be, what I found is that each soul is a part of a, a, a bigger soul group, so a, a soul family, if you like. And that soul family, the soul group, will be working on a particular theme. The theme might be love, it might be forgiveness, it might be suffering. You know, and we can move from soul group to soul group once we've completed our lessons. 
But what it means is that you'll have to experience all the different combinations of that lesson, all the different possibilities that, that can uh, be attached to that. But for each individual, there'll, there'll be a, a certain number of lessons that have to be completed. But of course, when we arrive, so we'll, we'll have a, a mission, something that we've chosen to experience, but when we, are, when we arrive in the earth plane, when we're born, we experience almost complete amnesia. So we don't remember what it is that we were supposed to be coming in to do. Hopefully we've set up signposts along the way that will prompt us, that will remind us. But that free will means that we don't necessarily, in each lifetime, accomplish what we set out to. And it depends on how many lifetimes it takes. So, for instance, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of the souls that, or the, the soul stories that I'm hearing now, many people come in with a challenge to say, can I get to a place of unconditional love no matter what happens to me, no matter what I experience? And that's a very challenging test. And so often it might mean that they will repeat that lesson in numerous amounts. They, 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 it could take them hundreds, maybe even thousands of lifetimes just to accomplish that one test. Whereas another soul may come in quite conscious, quite aware, and they may be able to master it in just one attempt. So everybody's experience is completely different. Yes. Um, did did you initially go through uh, when you went? I want to mention your credentials. Uh, you uh, trained with Anne Hirsch. Well, how do you pronounce her last name? Josh. Anne Josh. Oh, Josh. In mm-hmm. uh, Future Life Progression, and uh, mm-hmm. are you now the director of Past and Future Life Society? And you yeah. currently run workshops on empowerment, self hypnosis, and past life regression. You're a full member of the British Society of the Clinical Hypnosis. And, general, and the general hypnotherapy register. You're yeah. a master practitioner of NLP. Now, what does NLP stand for? That's neuro-linguistic programming. Okay, you have to tell us about that too. And a member of the Past Life Regression Academy and the Past Life Therapist Association. You have uh, wonderful credentials, and you're very. Uh, uh, there's nothing secretive. There's nothing uh, to me. Uh, it doesn't even appear to be new age to me. And I have a feeling about this that it's more, you're almost like on, like you have your two feet on the ground. You could have your head in the clouds, which I prefer to have it like, your feet on the ground, head in the clouds. But also you're willing to explore this with others. And mm-hmm. it leads a very rich uh, tapestry to me. It's not only what yeah. we see, it's what we've experienced, and then you're willing to go there with people. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I know that there are times when when I'm talking about the, the past life work, and, and certainly in times when I'm in the medical schools, which I don't always talk about it when I'm there, because thankfully many doctors now are starting to, to be open to, to these ideas. But I, but I choose my language very carefully, um, depending on the, the, the world that I'm in, because I've learned that 
sometimes when you get people to explore or expand the, the, the boundaries of the world that they've created, the, the safe world that they've created for themselves, it can create fear. It can create anxiety when you're asking them to, to step beyond. And so delivering the information in a way that makes sense to people. And what I've found over the years is that the best way to do that is to provide them with analogies, to give them stories and to allow them to understand other people's journeys. And I, I think it's why we are so fond of, of movies and, and reading books, reading other people's stories, because it's much easier to understand something when it's presented to us in a, a, a story form. So, for example, in my book, I use the analogy of the Wizard of Oz as a metaphor for the soul's journey, the fact that we have to travel along the path of life, which is what the yellow brick road represents, and mm -hmm. that along the way we, you know, we have to experience adversity in order to learn and grow. And, of course, the, the, the story beautifully illustrates what we need through life with the, the characters that Dorothy meets along the way, which is the, the scarecrow who's looking for wisdom, the tin man who's looking for love and compassion, and the, the, the scarecrow who is looking for courage, that they, they believe that they don't have that, and therefore they're, they're stuck on their paths. And, of course, when they face adversity, when the, the Wicked Witch comes along and, and tests them, they all realize that they have what they need inside of them already. And that's such a beautiful metaphor, because that's what I believe, too, that you know, each individual already has all the power, all the, 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 the strength, all the knowledge inside of them. And so many people that, that I, I work with are... They're searching for answers, but they tend to look outside. They're looking outside of themselves for the answers. And they are constantly thinking that if they, you know, if they get the right job or they find the right partner or they, they move to the right place or they, they find the right home, that those things will bring them happiness, that it will bring them satisfaction. And I'm, I'm trying to point out to people that it's the other way around, that actually what we have to do is we have to find that, that place of peace, the, the, the place of, of love and security within ourselves, and then the outer world will reflect that, it will mirror that. And the, the stories just really help people to understand. So it's, it's, it's delivering in a creative way something that is very practical. It is, and, uh, you know, your techniques are, are wonderful. It takes a lot of courage uh, for a human being to actually make contact with another human, human being on that deep level. And uh, I, I think that it's, uh, it's something that you have to be chosen for. And I, and I feel that, because uh, I read in your book that your mother is gifted also, and that you, as well as yourself, and that you're 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 born into this, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And then you get your training. Yeah, I think my 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 choice of my family was was obviously <laughs> well thought mm -hmm. through before I came here, because I think both sides. Even my my father was very much into astrology when I was growing up, and would um, would would sort of terrify my friends because within a few minutes of talking to them he would know what star sign they were 
and would usually predict what star sign their boyfriend was and uh, and then would tell them all the reasons why it wasn't going to work and, um, and and tell them who they should be dating and of course he was always right which would really which would really uh, blow their minds and uh, you know one of his sisters read palms and uh, and the other one was very much into well, she's been into homeopathy and uh, reflexology and all kinds of alternative therapies so both sides of the family really were were open to things which was great it, it gave me it gave me a safe platform to to play and explore uh, even though i suppose i did push the boundaries a bit further than <laughs> they might have liked sometimes. Are you? Are but your parents still with you? Are they still? They are. Uh, they are, they yeah. are lucky, lucky. So, how do they yeah. feel about all this now? That you know, that you have taken this and uh, with the help of the powers that be, uh, you and your inquisitiveness and and drive to do this. Uh, what do they think about this? How you developed? Oh, they are incredibly proud, and uh, they are—they're so supportive. It's wonderful, and and what's great is that both of them are, have been on their going on their own spiritual journey, and uh, you know they—they both—they—they both learnt they, they both Reiki. So, and, and in fact, my father is now Reiki master and does extraordinary things, uh, extraordinary healings for for people with his Reiki, and my mother is. Um, you know, she's both of them read all the time, but my my mother is constantly studying and, and constantly learning more about these things. And uh, and they they moved back to Ireland a few years ago, back to where my my father grew up. And uh, you know, I think everybody in the the town knows about what I'm doing. And you know, my, they're, they're waving my books around, and they have everybody watching my interviews and, and listening to the radio interviews. So whenever I go back, it's it's quite funny. Because um, you know, I'll be walking down the street, and somebody will give me a nod and a, a wave, and say, "Oh, you know, Grand, you know, I, I I saw you on the TV show, or I, you know, I heard you on the radio," <laughs> and I have no idea who these people are. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just wonderful. That's so, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're my best promoters. Kind of support because you know you're really yeah. uh, basically going through this with support and fearlessly. You know, going forward with, uh, to me, this is uh, extraordinary. Uh, it's, it's the way uh, you have studied and taken it uh, seriously and, you know, and I always appreciate the scholarly approach with things and then um, you're you're able to go there because you have some of your past lives have been quite scary. Um, tell our listeners what you discovered about one of your past lives and it's about... Uh, uh, actually being run to the stake. Yeah, yeah, that one was extraordinary because I used to make jokes yeah. about it when I was younger. I always, I would always say that oh, I must have been burnt at the stake in a previous life. And I always had a fascination with fire. And uh, when I was, when I was doing my training, as I said, the uh, past life stuff had been a bit of a guilty pleasure, and I had a bit of a block. I, 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 I didn't feel like I could actually go out there and and, and do it. And so I asked one of my colleagues if she would take me on a journey just to see if there was something that was blocking me from stepping into the, the more spiritual, the more esoteric path. And she put me in hypnosis, and uh, when I, I stepped into the past life and I actually found myself 
tied to a stake and uh, they were just setting fire to it and it was in a medieval village and the, the villagers were all screaming, burn the witch. And I was very distressed at the end because these people were, you know, they were the people that I'd, I'd grown up with, the people that were, you know, my villagers. And when the life came to an end, when I when you know, I, I I died at the stake and I floated up and above, which is one of the great things about doing the past life work, is that you know you don't really experience the the, the pain as such because I, I floated straight up and out. And then you see from a higher perspective, you get to look back down over the life and uh, put join the dots up, find out what was going on. And I realised that I actually hadn't been a witch at all. I'd been a healer. And I had been somebody who had understood herbs and I'd understood hands-on healing and my mother and my grandmother and, and probably all the generations of women before me had had the same abilities. And we had lived on the outskirts of the village. We hadn't really been accepted completely. People were a little bit afraid of us. But because we were able to heal the sick and we were there as the midwives, they tolerated us. They they put up with us and uh, you know they would call us in when they needed help and there was one particular occasion when I was a, a teenager and we were called in to somebody who was greatly distressed when um, at a late stage in her pregnancy and my mother and I went to, to visit and my mother had scanned my mother had put her hands over and she tuned in and she said, I'm really sorry, but this time there's nothing we can do. And uh, the people were very upset, but she just said, "We, this is not not something we can fix. But I probably have the same nature then that I have now, in that I always want to jump in and do things, and I was convinced that I could help. So I went over and I, I, I sent healing, hands-on healing, to the, the, the baby and to the mother, and she you know she calmed down and and she felt much better and she was very grateful to me and she did go on to give birth and the baby survived and of course you know in some ways we might think that was quite fortunate but for me it was very unfortunate because it turned out that she wasn't just having one baby she was having two and uh they weren't just ordinary twins they were actually siamese twins and they were they were joined at the spine or the at the hip so when this baby came out it had two heads and it had four arms and it had four legs and uh you know when siamese twins are born in this day and age it causes quite a, a furore but in medieval times of course they just assumed that i'd cursed her and that this was me in league with the devil and so yeah. their fear that I was going to curse all of them uh, led to them burning me at the stake. And, of course, for the, the priests at that time, anything to get rid of women who weren't afraid of them and who weren't doing what they were told, it was a great excuse. So, of course, when I realised that, I I saw that this wasn't their fault, that it was my fault, really. I'd stepped in. My mother had told me that uh, it wasn't a good idea this particular time and I hadn't listened. Yeah. And uh, I was able to then forgive all the villagers for, for what they'd done. And, of course, they'd all been carrying this guilt because at some level they knew I wasn't guilty. 
but they'd they'd gone along with it anyway because they were afraid. So their guilt was released, and not only was their guilt released, but I also recognised that I hadn't been punished in that life for my healing abilities or for my skills or for putting myself out there to help somebody. I'd been punished because I hadn't done, I hadn't worked according to the laws of nature. You know, I hadn't listened when when I'd been told that this was inappropriate, and. I also recognised that in this day and age, I wasn't going to get burnt at the stake if I put myself out there as a healer. So the combination of all of those things lifted a huge block for me. And it was from that point onwards that uh, I I really began to focus on on doing this work. And it's just just grown, it's just expanded from that point onwards. It's beautiful and... You, you actually did have an uh, incident, though, uh, when uh, you had a run-in with a priest for the same kind of reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that, that was when so I was quite young. Well, why don't you tell our listeners what happened? Because oh. I was like, I see, I got for the. I I'll tell you my story. You tell your story. And I'll tell you that I have a similar okay. story. That's why I started laughing. Okay, go ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I, I remember, I, I think I was about 10 or 11, and we'd gone to church on the Sunday, which we would always do, and, and normally they would have a collection, and we'd have to put money in the box, and this particular Sunday they had three collections, and, and I remember as a child thinking, God, this is really, all this asking my parents for money, you know, one was for fixing the roof, one was for the starving in Africa, and one was for something else that I don't remember, and, uh, you know, my parents weren't very well off when I was growing up. So, you know, it was a, a struggle for them. And I'm, I'm looking at all the, the, the gold and I'm looking at all the finery and the fact that the priests have their housekeepers and their brand new cars and all the rest of it. And I'm questioning why it is they're asking my parents to pay for all this stuff. Seemed a bit cheeky. Anyway, the following day, we get a knock at the door in the, in the early evening and it's the priest come to visit well, of course, my parents were so blown away. It was such an honor in their eyes to be visited by the priest. So, of course, the best china comes out and me and my sister are you know, told to come in and, you know, be on our best behavior. And it turned out that, you know, after a few minutes that the priest had come around asking for more money for something. And that really just, it, it, it blew my mind. And I said to him, Father, doesn't the Vatican house one of the, the, the most impressive collections of art and, you know, paintings and, and, and statues and everything else. And he said, yeah, it does. He said that they, you know, they're the best collection in the world, priceless, priceless collection of all of these, you know, wonderful artifacts. And so and I, you know, I bless my parents who are, you know, hoping beyond hope that I'm going to make them proud and say something really wise. <laughs> and I thought I did because I said, "Well, Father, you got all that priceless <laughs> stuff. Why don't you sell <laughs> some of the paintings, and then you go feed the starving in Africa, and then you'll have to stop coming around here and asking my parents for money." And he right. absolutely went crazy. I mean, that still makes sense to me now. Never mind back then. He went crazy, and he started accusing me of being a communist. <laughs> and when I argued back with him, he lost the plot completely, and he started strangling me. And my oh, father had to pull him off because he'd lost the plot. Oh, 
totally. And um, and and the and the, the, the you know the most he crazy bit was like, mind. What did he have to lay his hands on a ten year old? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I got told off and sent out of the room. Wow. My father, you know, my father has since apologised for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but back then, you know, they they were still, you know, they they were still a bit. Well, they would have been horrified because you know, first of all, it, it meant that they. Look how accepted we are. The priest is at our house. On the other hand, he's not yeah. strangling our daughter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they were still oh. under the whole guise of, you know, if yes. you upset the church or if you do anything wrong, you're going to hell, which was the thing that had been brainwashed into everybody, that you've got to obey yeah. them if you do anything wrong. And, of course, I, ju- I just didn't buy any of that whatsoever. I, I didn't buy it. I didn't believe that. I believed that God was a, a benevolent, loving, beautiful being, and I believed that we were all connected to, you know, this energy of source, the universe, whatever you want to call it. And I, so I didn't put any uh, faith in the priests. You know, I believed that if I needed to talk to God, I'd do it direct. So I didn't need right. them. And that was the thing that really, I think, bothered them the most because I wouldn't bow down to them, I wouldn't do what I was told. And, you know, right through my childhood, I mean, and even in my adult years, I've, had so, I've, I've learned now to just, you know, live and let live and let them get on with it. And I, I now know when to just keep shtum and not get myself yeah. in, in terrible trouble. But then, back then, yeah. Well, was, plus it, I it think you, you're time. really... I think children that are spiritual... Uh, have a reverence that, and they uh-huh. for God, and that we know how to. Because similar, something similar happened to me. I was at. I right. wanted to. Uh, I I wanted to serve God, uh, be a nun, um, help people. So right. I begged my mother to uh, let me go to. I'm Greek Orthodox, but okay. let me go to Catholic school, and because uh, I wanted to learn more, because I was excited, because mm-hmm. I had spiritual experiences and a lot of other kind of experiences when I was a kid. So I thought, gee, look, it's a mother load with the nuts yeah. and everything. So right, right. I went over there, and I very, I, I did wonder, uh, it was very rigid. Even imposter, uh, you had to hold your hands a certain way. And yeah. uh, we had to sort of worship statues. I wasn't really used to doing all this, but I was doing it because I said, okay, if this is serving God. But then yeah. we were having a class one time, and the nurse, the nun was railing on and on about hell, we're all going to hell and the sinning and the damnation and I was listening patiently and I was just kinda of waiting, you know, to to hear what I I knew about God. Yeah. I didn't hear any of this. So, you know, when it came at the end of course at every class, do you have any questions? You know, the nun asked, Do you have any questions? Yeah. And I remember looking around and nobody asked any questions and you would have think, but I was too innocent. You would think I would catch on. You really don't have yeah. to. Don't have to. Don't have to. <laughs> but what I did is I raised my little hand, and I remember her looking yeah. at me because she was already like foaming at the mouth, you know, <gasps> oh <my laughs> of God. all the hell she was talking about for so long. But anyway, yeah. and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and she said, yes, what do you want? I mean, what's your question? And I said, what does this have to do with God? Oh my God! She came and beat the hell out of me. She took that ruler and she hit me so yeah. hard on my hands and my head, and like she went, she went berserk. 
and I had to get out of there. I felt suicidal because she kind of shattered my uh, belief, you know, my yeah. my spirituality, the, the belief that people could actually carry on in a holy way. She shattered that yeah. right then. And yeah. I really had to get out of there, and I, and I think I was, I was the same age, 10. And I realized wow. I have to get out of there and I'm going to kill myself. So that yeah. was my, my first time I ever thought about killing myself was because it so shattered me spiritually, her wow. behavior, you know. But, yeah. you know, I got out of there, thank God, you know, because <laughs> I went on to, jeez, I went on to, you know, still believe that God loved me. I, I just yeah. always knew it unfalteringly. And I think yeah. that's the kind of strength that you've carried and it's helped you let go of a lot of other people's fears. Because I feel like we're not born with a fear. It's instilled mm-hmm. upon us. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So it keeps it, you it, from delving, you know, like how deep you're going with people. It, yeah. it takes, uh, I know what it takes because I'm a therapist, I, but I work with prisoners. Right. Federal prisoners that are still in custody, so they're transitioning yeah. to the community. But I know where you have to go, but I have asked permission to go. You know, yeah. and that, that you have the courage to go like through lifetimes. You know, yeah. it, it takes a unique person to do a thing what you're doing. Well, I, I think that um, what's happening on the planet now is that people are starting to awaken. And I think that people are starting to challenge and question. They're, they're seeing those old, uh, rigid religion paths kind of crumbling you know that people are, are, are seeing the, the, the flaws in the system and as a result of that they are starting to ask deeper questions like who am I really and, and why am I here mm. and so I think that so many more light workers are, are having to step up they're having to step forward now and guide people into the the you know, the place where they can find out the truth, where they start to find out this information. So more and more people are emerging, and it's it's such a wonderful time to be on the planet. And and what I see around me is so many people coming up with new ideas and, and, and new ways. And there's, there's loads of different ways that people can get to this truth. And, yeah. you know, this this is just one of the routes. And, um, yeah, I just I, I feel just completely and utterly blessed to have... have, have discovered this and and to have the opportunity to to work with people in this way you know i I had some emails today from um a couple of clients that i worked with recently and uh you know and there was just a list of things that had transformed in their lives because they did this work uh one of the the clients she'd had a, a terrible breakup of her marriage and uh, you know, they hadn't spoken since. It was, it was many years ago, and it had been really quite brutal at the end. And you know, it, it, it left scars. It had left her traumatized. But when we did the past life work, she recognised the contracts that that she had with this person that had gone back for lifetime after lifetime. And in the past life session, we were able to heal it. You know, they were able to understand what they had agreed to and why they were still fighting in this life. They were still running an old program. And we were able to to clear the contract. We were able to clear the the energy between them and and get complete forgiveness. And extraordinarily, she got an email from him three weeks later apologizing. And not just apologizing, but he listed all the things 
throughout their marriage that he had done wrong and he totally understood it now and he 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 totally accepted his part his responsibility in it all and he was asking her for forgiveness and they've now and, and this was without her telling him anything consciously this all happened you know in while she was in trance in the spirit realms and she said the whole thing is now resolved the whole thing is now healed and it just it 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 still blows my mind when I hear about these things happening. She had, you know, she she'd agreed to challenge herself within work, and and you know she'd been blocked. All of this, you know, the contracts that she'd been she'd set up were preventing her from moving forward. And then out of the blue, she gets a phone. She she couldn't find work. Out of the blue, she gets a phone call from somebody saying, "Look, I've just heard about this job that might interest you." She calls them up, and within a week, she has a new job. It, it's, it really is just incredible what happens. So, yeah, as I said, I just feel really, really well, blessed. Well, it's because, you know, uh, it is a spiritual world. We do have yeah. the material, but it's it's many layers and depths and dimensions of spiritual. So if uh you're heal you're helping to heal and be uh help people be aware of what's happening in this other realm. It actually is straightening it out. I can see how it's clearing the path for healing in the spiritual level, which is beyond time and space yeah yeah, and again what what people i th- i think don't realize is that when they go back and heal these these connections these uh, you know the things that have happened and the karma and they 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 finish off the unresolved issues that that have been set up that they're healing self but they're also providing healing for the other people that they've connected to and of course that's like a ripple and a a pond effect you know as that that healing keeps going on and and people keep healing then it, it it just spreads and eventually, you know, each person that heals and they change their vibration, they change their energy. And especially when they move it from, as I said, victimhood into the acknowledgement that they chose things and therefore they're responsible. And if they're responsible, then everything that happens to them is there for a reason. And then they understand that. And so they're able to forgive. They're able to let go. So that frees things up. But it also means that they shift from blame and uh, wondering why things have happened to them into gratitude because even those people that challenge them the most, they recognize on a, a soul level that they've asked for that, that this is something that they chose to experience. So we stop blaming each other and, and we start saying thank you to each other, even for the hardest things that, that happen. And you know, just imagine if everybody in the world said thank you to everybody that was in their lives for whatever it was that they were doing rather than finding fault or, or judging them. You know, if we come out of judgment, then it, it changes things so dramatically. It does, and it's the way we look at this. It's, it's actually, uh, with, you know, in my studies and uh, uh, spiritual adventures, I call them, uh, it's when you're having this horrible relationship with somebody or you can't quite get past or forgive something or whatever, you're actually mm-hmm. shackling yourself more and more to that person. Yeah, you're like absolutely. like shackling now. Yeah, yeah. And you can't and shake it because you're not forgiving. You're actually putting another shackle on it again. It's, it's a horrible yeah. dilemma to me. Yeah, 
and you know I, I know that people hold on to so much and that's why you know I liken the work that I do to being a bit like uh, it, it's a bit like feng shui for the soul because it yeah. is clutter clearing you know it's getting rid of all the stuff that you don't need and of course bitterness regret all those things that that we hold on to just weigh us down you know it lowers our vibration and of course forgiveness really is not about letting the other person off the hook but it's about freeing yourself from it and for me the best way for people to forgive others is for them to really understand what was at the the heart of these events these experiences that happen so i also work with uh, ancestral healing now and, and, and soul retrieval is also a key part of it but a, a major component of the work is, is when somebody goes in and they, they, they find a soul that they've had a battle with and they've had conflict with and it might be somebody that has really done harm to them you know it may be that they've tortured them or, or abused them in some way and uh, there they are with this challenge this this person in front of them that's done all this terrible stuff and sometimes i'll say to them you know you've you've chosen this because they were helping you to learn and grow can you forgive them and occasionally they'll say no i don't feel like i'm ready to forgive them you know what they did was was it it was it was too much I, i can't and then what i'll do is i'll have them go back and witness what that person experienced when they were a child to find out what it was that led to that person behaving in that way in the first place. So what turned that person into an abuser? What was it that turned them into somebody who could torture another soul? And every time, without fail, when they go back and look at that person's childhood, they suffered. They were tortured or something bad happened to them. Mm-hmm. And as a result, there was a, on a soul level, almost that, you know, there was a part of them that believed that that was normal or they didn't know any other way to respond. They hadn't experienced love, so they didn't have the the information. They didn't know that that's how you were supposed to behave. And oftentimes I'll get people to go right back along the ancestral line to find out, well, who was the very first person in that family that did that? And I've had clients go all the way back almost to prehistoric times, to the beginning of time, where souls were so focused on survival they were so focused on trying to find food and, and, and trying to protect from, from danger that they forgot to actually love and, and cherish each other. And, uh, of course, when the relationship just became one of, you know, I'm, I'm protecting you, but, you know, I'm, I, we, we all have to be tough here. You know, we all have to be strong. Then that energy can often carry down an entire family line generations after generation and and so we get families who do not learn how to love one another and when you go all the way back to those early ancestors and then actually re-educate them and show them that that love is the the most important thing that they can do yes survival is important but actually if they love each other and support each other and work together and understand what it feels like to be connected and to, you know, have that energy of, of unconditional love. You know, not love if, if, you, if you behave, I'll love you, but just unconditional yeah. where people love each other just because. It transforms everything. It really does. And it's, it's so beautiful to see the shifts because when, when love is sent to those ancestors and then we send it down the ancestral line, I'll then say to them, well, how do you think that person would be different? This abuser, 
if, if they had experienced love when they were a child, what would be different? And every time, without fail, they say, well, that person would have been caring and supportive and, and loving, and, and they would have just been very different. They would have been wonderful to be around. And, and I say, okay, so now you can see why they did what they did to you. So now you understand that it's not their fault. They were just doing you know, what was kind of programmed in. Can you forgive them now? And almost every single time, you know, tears in their eyes, they say, yes, I forgive them. I do, I forgive them, I get it. And, uh, and, and that releases both of them. That, that releases the, 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 the abuser. They're now free. They've learned their lesson. And uh, it's very powerful. And they don't have it's, to, they don't, they could be free in this lifetime and they don't have to carry it forward. Yeah. You know, yeah. for the next uh, few thousand exactly. generations or whatever. They break, you know, yeah. Too. yeah. They break that's, the chain. It's really beautiful. And it, and, it, and it can and does happen. And yes. uh, let me uh, just, uh, we're live on the air with Lorraine Flattery. And uh, her contact information, uh, to reach her our website is www.innerjourneys.co.uk. And that's where you can actually find uh, a lot of her information and uh do you want me to give the, your phone number for? Can you give the give the listeners your phone number and how to contact you? Sure. Yeah. The um the the number obviously it's a a, a UK number so it's zero zero four four seven seven zero two two five three six six zero. Or if they've got questions, they can email me, and the email is info at innerjourneys.co. Dot UK, and I'm always happy to answer questions that, that people have. Yes, and uh, you're author of the book, uh, Healing with Past Life Therapy, Transformational Journeys Through Time and Space. And, uh, you know, we're just really happy to be speaking with you. We're about midway in our broadcast tonight. And um, Lorraine, is what now that we've actually discussed how our past lives affect us now, what are some of the signs that we're having a current problem due to a past life? Yeah, usually what happens for people is that they find themselves repeating a pattern over and over again. They, uh, you know, it might be a challenge with relationships or with uh, specific types of people, but it, it's usually that they, they, you know, they, they get themselves out of one cycle and they often they you know they realize that that what they did was was you know not helpful so they they quite often make a vow that they won't experience that again and then they think they've done it differently but a little way down the line they find that they're caught back up in the exact same cycle again and and when something keeps repeating like that it's usually an indication from the universe that they're trying, you know, you're being prompted, you're being shown that there is something that, that needs to be addressed, that there is something that needs to be resolved. Oftentimes, sometimes or people will all have um, uh, recurring dreams that, that happen as well. Sometimes information will come up, they'll keep dreaming about similar things or uh, things will, uh, will, will pop up. And uh, signposts. Sometimes people will, you know, they'll be drawn to a specific time period, perhaps. So I had a client recently that uh, he'd been he'd been stuck. He'd been having challenges in his 
career in his his work life where he he couldn't move forward and we ended up with him being in a past life in the second world war where uh, there was a lot of fear in in uh, in what he was doing and he had died in the the, the trenches uh too afraid you know he he was afraid he was stuck and and this was all part of the cycle and he kind of died vowing that he wasn't going to put himself out there he wasn't going to put his head above the parapet if you like because then he'd get blown up and that energy had stayed with him and at the end of the session he said well is that really a past life or was I just imagining it because I'm always reading about the second world war you know I'm always watching programs about it so isn't that stuff that I've just seen and I said to him well why do you think you keep watching things about the world war and why do you think you keep reading things about it and he looked at me and he said oh god I hadn't thought about that I said well it's, it's because you know it's there it was already there in your subconscious that's why you were being drawn constantly to find out information about it that came first so, yeah, when, when when people just find that there is something that they can't overcome, they can't find the answer, it doesn't make sense, uh, it's not something that uh, is familiar to them in their family or something that other people around them are experiencing and it doesn't make sense to them, then that's usually an indication that this is a, a past life thing. Well, would you find this because I deal with uh, uh, people in addiction and mm. criminality? Would you find yeah. I, I would think that this would be showing up that way, also. If something's unresolved, I mean, it'll keep calling attention to itself till it gets help, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and with with again with addictions and uh, particularly, you know, real. Uh, you know, tragic situations that happen between people where where violence occurs, I would be really, really surprised to you know to to not have some sort of past life connection there, where it may be that in another life, you know, the the, the person did damage to them, and so this is a you know, it's an unconscious revenge that they they they're trying to balance the scale, they they're trying to get this person back for what they've done to them in a, a previous lifetime. And, you know, this is something that I've really been thinking about, and I would, I'd actually love to do uh, a study. I'd, I would love to do some research into this in, in working with people that have committed serious crimes to find yeah. out what was behind that, to, to find out what the, the karmic connection was. And uh, mm. it, it's something that's, you know, it's in my radar to, to, to do at a certain point. Um, because I'm sure that... I think that would be valuable, very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And because I know the healing that can happen at that level, I also think that it would be a really powerful rehabilitation tool for prisoners that are, you know, stuck in a, a, you know, a belief or a mindset about themselves. Because if they found out what the cause of it was, what it was that led them to, to carry out that action, then I think that they could be freed from it. You know, if you can heal at the soul level, then there is no need for them to, to carry on with those actions and behaviours. They can they can let it go. They can put those things in the past where they belong. Right, and not keep carrying on because, yeah, as we well know, that especially uh, when it's a drug addiction and 
crime or gang activity and all that, that is really carried generational. You know, yeah, I'm, I've dealt with, you know, the have had to face, when I was working at the hospital, that the mother using crystal meth gave birth to a mother, their daughter. Yeah. Was, uh, exposed, you know, high from meth when, it was, when the girl was born. And yeah. she now is, you know, there sitting before me, pregnant and did the same thing to her baby. Yeah, now we're and, talking and about methamphetamines in three three generations, yeah. and you can tell there's something way wrong. Like how it affects them mentally and physically, it's observable. You know, yeah. and now we have three generations of drugs and more. Because I don't know what happened to the great grandmother. You know, yeah. I don't recall that part, but she just told me about her mother. Cause I don't think she really yeah. knew her great But to watch it in front of your eyes, it's like a horror movie. Like, can we stop? You know, yeah, this generational absolutely. thing. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of the time with addictions, it's because there is something that they are trying to, to move away from. There is a, a wounded space inside. And, you know, people are turning to whether it's drugs or food or, or TV or mm-hmm. shopping or gambling or whatever it is that they're addicted to. It's because there's something they don't want to face. There, there, there is a pain within them that is is crying out for attention, and so the only way to, to to block that pain is to find a distraction, to do something that will numb the pain, and that's what an addiction is all about. And so, uh, of course, a, a lot of the treatments are to, you know, to, to try and numb the pain, and and to uh, you know to, to to try and stuff it all back down again. But the, the best way to, to deal with it is to really go inside and, and find out what that pain is, find out what's causing it. And when you bring that to the surface, then even though it can be, you know, and some of these sessions are really quite emotional and they can be really quite intense, but the healing that happens when you bring that stuff to the surface and you acknowledge it, you, you own it, and, and you find out the, the, the cause of it, you find out where it's coming from, and that as I said, even the aha of where it's come from is, is often enough to, to shift people. But then when you unpick all of the other layers that, that go with it, it really can make a huge difference. And I have worked with people that have been addicts and they've been able to, they've been able to walk away. They've been able to move away from the, from the addictions. And, again, that's, it's, it's such an incredible thing to witness and, and to experience. Tell, could you specifically tell us any of their background or past lives where that started? Um, Do you remember an instance? Well, I mean, there was one particular case with somebody who uh, had been persecuted in the the, the past life for for being different and uh, for not. Uh, conforming and I I think that this person again it was somebody that was on the spiritual path and they were living in a a very uh, narrow-minded community and because they were able to see they had you know gifts they were they they had premonitions about things and what had happened they kind of learned not to use these premonitions because they knew that it was dangerous but there had been a, a particular, somebody that had been very kind to them and been very nice to them. They had a premonition that something bad was going to happen to this person. So they had gone and told them. 
and it had scared the person, even though this person had been quite kind, uh, it scared them, and they had gone to the priest to ask for help, and of course the, the, the priest was on the lookout for you know, anybody that was remotely different, and so this person was they were they were locked up and they were beaten and they were tortured and they uh you know they they died very angry and feeling betrayed and feeling let down and 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 particularly angry at the person that they thought cared about them and in that the the, the dying thoughts was that well I'm never going to trust anybody again and uh, you know anybody that I'm that that is you know supposed to care about me will let me down and I'm going to be betrayed so what's the point you know I'm not going to trust anybody and uh and and so they they came into this life into a family where they were being let down where they were being betrayed and and so they were born into a family where there were addictions and and and, and drugs was the you know the, the the thing of choice and uh so they were neglected as a child they they didn't get any love they didn't get any attention and so they just they just slipped into the cycle. They just slipped into the the habit of it. You know, they grew up watching the the adults use that as a, a means of escape, and uh, and then they just followed suit. That's what they did. Yes, and it just reminded me of the other things that may or may not happen. Because uh, what do you feel about uh, gender identity and things like that, and how that plays with past lives? Yeah, absolutely. Again, this is something that I would really love to do some research on because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm almost yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm absolutely certain. I'm absolutely convinced that a lot of the um, confusion that people have about their gender and, and, and wanting to change, you know, from the, the, the sex that they were they were born into, uh, into another sex, will have to do with past lives because people will have been both male and female, and if they had a very dominant past life and if there is something that needs to be resolved, there is something they need to work on, but they were a different sex in that particular lifetime, then that could lead them to have traits, have qualities, and to actually, you know, if there's a, almost like a past life bleed where the energy of that, that life is, is filtering through into their everyday experience, then they're going to feel as though they are the opposite sex. And therefore that mindset may convince them that the only way they're going to be happy is if they step back into that. And so rather than work on it in a subconscious level, rather than work on it in a, a spiritual level, they're trying to recreate it in this life now. So I would love to, to, to do some work wow. with um, some transgender people to find out if there is, um, you know, if, if it is a past life bleed. Because I'm, I'm, I'm 99.9% certain that that's what it is and so it could it could save a lot of really unnecessary um challenges for people you know if, if they heal pain. it at the the soul yeah, level it, it can alleviate the pain of yeah um you know if we had more i think we're like having uh you know medieval times was one of my scariest things to contemplate so if i had like a past life it would have been uh-huh. to avoid the black the Black Plague in the medieval times, please. Yeah. Because I, I found it so horrifying when I was a kid. I avoided it, you know, my whole life. Like, I don't even think anything's cool about the medieval times deal or anything. Yeah, I absolutely. I find the history so interesting, you know, but uh-huh. I just avoid all that. 
you know what I mean? Because uh, maybe there's something happened to me back then, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't enjoy it. But I feel like, in a way, we have been thrown uh, out of uh, a time of enlightenment for so long. We've been in, in medieval, uh, sticking to, uh, let's say, the mentality of the, uh, the you know, there's a lot of good that came out of the 50s. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying where yeah. uh, what a family is supposed to look like, what uh, life was supposed to be, what, you know, that's all been very rigid. And it's like mm-hmm. we've been, like, in the dark ages, really, and now people are actually shaking it off. I see yeah. the young ones looking at you like you're nuts, like my little granddaughter, where this, and I love James Brown, okay? God bless his soul. But anyway, that song "It's a Man's World" was playing on the on the radio. You know, it's it's a very dramatic song. Yeah. And then my little now she's just getting, entering college. She's getting she's a, a scholar and she's going into liberal mm-hmm. arts college. This kid's something else. But anyway, so we're listening to this song, which is very dramatic. You know what I mean? And yeah, her little self from the back. After she listened to it, she pipes up, "Mom!" So my daughter was sitting next to me. I'm driving right. Uh-huh. Says, is it really a man's world? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it started. The shift is happening. Yeah. She wasn't going for it. She was saying, yeah. why isn't it the people's world? You know, yeah. so the young ones are the ones shifting. You know, yeah. they're, like, different. They don't, you know, they don't even have to be attached. You know, we're born, we're attached to the cord to the wall with our yeah. phone. They don't even know a life like that. They don't even know what we're talking about. My no, grandson handed me the phone one time. He said, what's wrong with this phone, Grandma? I listened to it. I said, honey, it's a busy signal. So he's like, I'm saying they're in a different world. Yeah, you know? And definitely. I love it. I really want it to happen because I, I really feel the burden of the past. I still do. Yeah. I can't quite yeah. shake the guilt. I can't quite shake the fear. You know, and I have, I'm providing an open forum to, you know, help us all out of it. You know, mm-hmm. and what you're doing, it takes a lot of courage because I'm well aware that, because uh, we did ask you a question, though, is that some people uh, don't seem to be able to uh, get hypnotized or uh, they don't, you know, they just can't or they're, they're not blocking me either. They're just waiting or relaxed or whatever and mm-hmm. not aware of a block. And then you said something that was so profound is that the, the therapists themselves are, don't have the courage to go there with you. And I have mm. observed, and I have observed this, that that some feel look detached to me. Like, how could this be helpful? Like, is this really happening? Like, I've been watching it. The therapists are detached and clinical. Yep. And meanwhile, you know, somebody's thrashing around on the couch. Uh-huh. And I'm like, is this real? You know, just just because it, it, it doesn't ring a truth to me. Because I feel like we want to comply. We want to act. We want to participate, Right. But yeah. what if you're not hypnotized? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... Profound. The therapist yeah. goes there with you, and I found yeah. that profound. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, this is the thing about hypnosis, is that over the years uh, it's had a lot of bad press because of the stage hypnosis and the fact that people believe that you can be controlled and that people can make you do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do when you're in hypnosis. So there's a lot of fear attached to it. And... Over the years, I've, I've got quite upset because stage hypnosis and the, you know, the work that we do, the hypnosis that we use, they should have a different name, really, because it's, it's two very different experiences. 
And all hypnosis is really is a focused state of attention. It's very similar to the state of meditation and it's not the shift. It's not the state that people think it's going to be. People are, are often waiting for some profound state change to occur so that they suddenly know that you know, they're, they're, they're now being hypnotized. And I often say to people, look, you're just going to be sat in the chair listening to me talking. And I'm going to talk and you're going to relax a little bit, but your mind is going to be awake and you're going to be alert and you're going to be totally aware of everything that's going on. Your mind might drift a little bit. It might wander and, and you might not be that bothered about what I'm talking about for a while, but you will always be completely in control. And if you needed to come out of it, you'd totally be able to. And if you needed to, you know, you can talk to me and, and share with me what's going on. And I give them the analogy that I'm like the, the sort of spiritual GPS. So I'm the, you know, the navigator in the process, but they're the one that's driving the car. And so they're in control. So I can't make them do anything. I can't force them to get into hypnosis. But they just follow the instructions. And then I will be a guide and I'll take them down into that subconscious space. And when I let them know that there isn't this big dramatic shift, they kind of relax into it. And when I point out that everybody is going in and out of hypnosis all day and, and uh, you know, every day of their lives anyway, because every time they daydream, every time their mind wanders, you know, when people are driving their car and they, they end up, they go on a long journey and they, they kind of lose track of time or, they're, you know, they're, they're busy thinking about stuff and they, they don't quite remember the route. All of that is hypnosis. You know, any time you get lost in a book or you get lost in a movie or, you know, you get engrossed in something and you lose track of time, all of that's hypnosis. When we yes. wake up in the morning and we're, we're still in that semi-dreamlike state where we're not quite awake yet, but, you know, we're, we're, we're still, we're, we're not quite in the dream, that's hypnosis. You know, that's the hypnopompic state. Going to sleep at night when we just start to drift, when we can feel our awareness starting to slip. Hypnagogic state. And uh, that's why I know, because it's such a practical, natural thing that we do, that Everybody can be hypnotized, but not everybody can be hypnotized by the same techniques or with the same people. And trust is the absolute key thing in this journey, that when you're working with somebody with hypnosis, because you're going into uh, a, a place where there is knowledge and, and information that, that can be sort of valuable for you and can sometimes be unsettling, for you, you know, you've got to trust that the person that's guiding you knows what they're doing and that they are fully present in the experience. And so many people that I've spoken to said, oh, I tried hypnosis, but it didn't work. Either they were hypnotized, but it wasn't explained properly, so they were still waiting for something to happen, mm -hmm. or it wasn't set up properly. If they didn't feel comfortable with the person that was doing it for any reason whatsoever, then they were not going to give themselves permission to, to go into it. And I think that, again, education about hypnosis and the state and what it really is, is, is very valuable. So I always explain it really thoroughly to people before I even start. And that really helps. Yeah, it's really important, and. Um, there's another interesting thing that I haven't understood this concept before is that life between lives. What, mm -hmm. what, is, what is this concept about? I have no idea. 
Yeah, so this was uh, a, a work that was pioneered by uh, a guy called uh, Dr. Michael Newton. And uh, he was exploring past lives. And quite similar to the work of Dr. Brian Weiss, there were times when his clients would go into uh, a kind of uh, the, the gap in between the lives. So when the life comes to an end at the death point, uh, sometimes they would, uh, you know, they, the, a portal of light would open up. In this traditional, when we hear the stories about near-death experiences and uh, often the out-of-body experiences, where uh, you know a tunnel of white light opens up and, and uh, family members and, and people that they recognise come and greet them and, and you know, lead them to a, a beautiful space in the light. And he realised that when sometimes people were in very deep trance, they would go to that place, and not only would they meet with their uh, sort of family and, and soul group members, but that they would often go through quite profound healing experiences. They would go to a review space where they would review what had happened to them in their the, the lifetime they'd just lived. And, uh, and and get to not have a judgment from anybody there, but get to work out for themselves uh, how they felt about what had happened and what they learned from it. But also they were able to get access to what some people refer to as the masters or the elders or, or a council of, of wise beings who would give them profound information about who they were, what their life purpose was, and would be able to answer some of those deep life questions that they had. And so I trained in this work uh, quite a few years ago. And uh, again, it, it sort of blew the lid off the, the work that I do. And, and so I always tap in. I do an element of that in, even in my past life sessions now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful because it's like going home. It's where we go back and we reconnect with our soul energy. So it's the, the source, if you like, of, of where we where we originate from. You know, I go there quite often, and I didn't really understand what it was about until you just mm -hmm. described it. I mean, I have uh, periods of where I'm almost dreaming that I'm, like, in heaven for a minute. Or uh -huh. the last one, I was going down a corridor, and I was kind of with the group, but I didn't look either you know, right or left, I didn't look around yeah. me, and I was just focused on moving forward, and I actually was kind of in a hurry, you know, yeah. so the uh, the guy, there was a guy, and he was like in khaki, he's kind of a short little guy, he's walking ahead, he said, come on, come on, just a little bit further, I was probably whining for, for you know, knowing me, <laughs> I go, is, is it over yet, uh, are we there yet, you know, so we're walking, walking, and so we're just like in a gray building hall, yep. turn around the corner, now, this happened last week. Turn around a corner, the most exquisite, beautiful setting of a lake with these gorgeous mountains, and the the water was shining, and I, I, the the water looked like crystalline, and, and the, mm -hmm. even the mountains were shining. It was so beautiful that I said, oh, my God. And I, I woke myself up because I said it so loud. <laughs> when I saw it, it shocked me. And it happens right. to me frequently, you know, yeah. fairly frequently. I think, uh, what would you call, uh, these dreams are not just dreams, because they feel totally no. different than a dream. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's when we're, well, we're astral traveling. 
I think that we do more work when we're in our sleep state than we do when we're awake, actually. I think because when we're in the sleep state, I think that's when the real work is happening at the the spirit level. And uh, I think more and more people are starting to remember. They're starting to get glimpses of of where they're going. And, And that's what I love about the work that I do because I'm able to get people to experience that stuff and remember it. Because half the time we, we have those glimpses in a dream and then we lose it. We wake up and it's kind of gone. You know, we just get a snippet yeah. of it. But using hypnosis, using that the, the, the focused attention state, people are actually able to recall it and remember it. And, uh, you know, and I record the sessions for people as well so they can go back and, and listen to it again afterwards. Oh, good. So to have those really profound experiences, but, you're able to recall it and remember it. And, of course, once you've opened the memory, it's it's really easy for you to go back there. So you can tap back into that energy, that, that spirit realm place. And, uh, oh, and of course, it helps place. people. Yeah, such a beautiful place. And beautiful it place. also helps people to understand who the key people are, their key soul group members and you know, the the souls that keep coming back again and again to have different experiences with them. That's and that's what I was really powerful ask. too. Do you travel with the same group? You know, yeah, are you I think with, we, you know your family, let's say your circle of friends and are, are are you traveling with the same group throughout eternity, do you think? Well I do believe that we each come from we each have a we have a specific soul group. And I mean that soul group again. The soul group can be varying different sizes. I think my my soul group had about eighty in it, but there were about seven that were uh, much closer to me, so that they were like my core soul group members. And and those seven were with me in lifetime after lifetime, playing significant roles of parents, siblings, partners, children playing the really really key roles but it, it would change in, in lifetime to lifetime so it wouldn't be that you know one particular soul would always be my mother you know sometimes I might be her mother or sometimes I might be her sister or you know it would it would vary it would change and again what I've seen in the work that I do is that once we've accomplished and once we've learned all of the lessons that we need to with a certain soul group people have a choice that they can either then move on and uh, they don't, you know, they can actually move up to the next level or if they want, they can move on to a different soul group and then start working on another lesson, start working on something else. So I think we do have those those core soul groups, but it can change. So it's not always going to be the same ones time and time again. Uh, It feels true to me. And... Mm. uh, what about the concept, which I hadn't uh, actually uh, really dwelled on too much, was what about our future life? Yeah, because I never really heard, understood the concept before. What's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah, and that's really powerful work too because what I find with many people is that even when they've cleared away all the clutter and they've now got permission to 
step into the truth of who they're going to be, a lot of the time they don't know who they're going to be. They don't know what they want because they haven't had time to think about it. And so many people get caught up in the expectations of their family and what people have done before them. I see this time and time again with my medical students who often the dream of being a doctor isn't theirs. It was their parents, but they went along with it because they couldn't think of anything else to do anyway. And then many of them, you know, I see them, they're artists, they're performers, and they get caught up in their, their kind of, you know, extracurricular stuff where they blossom, where they shine, and yet they're still committed to this path of, of being a doctor. So with the future life work, what happens is that people get taken into their most probable future if they carry on doing what they're doing now. And again, it doesn't take rocket science to work out what that's going to be, because if we don't change anything, you know, if we really thought about it, we would know what kind of trajectory we're on, we'd know what kind of outcome our life was going to have. So it's, in many ways, it can be more practical than the past life work. Uh, what I then do is take them into alternative versions of their future. And it might be that they have an idea about a different career or a different you know country they could live in or so if they have a sense of something they might like to explore then we can tap into that and see what would happen or it may be that it's something they hadn't even thought of but my favorite bit is to get them to reconnect with their higher self and their higher self doesn't have the limitations or the uh, belie negative beliefs that may get picked up when we when we come in from family or, or peers or from those around us, it just knows what our unlimited potential is. And so when we reconnect with higher self and then float into the future to see what's possible from that perspective, from the, the highest potential perspective, it, it opens up the, the, the boundaries completely. And often people see things that they hadn't even dreamed of. And... They don't always have to go that far. You know, they, they, they may explore something and think, wow, that, that's amazing, but I don't really need to push myself that hard. But I know it's possible. I know I'm capable of it. And, and so it boosts their confidence and it boosts their perception of themselves. And then quite often I find that when, once people have seen what they're capable of and they make a decision that they are going to push themselves, that they're going to move forward, opportunities turn up things appear in their lives that they that they just haven't seen coming and and sometimes i think that these opportunities are around us but we don't see them because we don't believe yeah. they're possible so when you shift the perspective then the opportunities are there and then of course sometimes i take them into a, a future lives so they might go hundreds or thousands of years into the future to see what they're working on there and that can also be very profound and, and very enlightening for them because it gives them a sense of their true soul purpose. And that can be very, very liberating. It just it sounds like it really could be in that. Um, have you ever worked with anybody that had just like a very dark thing going on in the past or the future or some dark person that you wouldn't want to even work with? What yes, uh, 
it has. Uh, and, and again, this is one of the things that, that comes up a lot. People will quite often come into me and say, I think I must have done something really bad in a previous life because I'm I'm mm. being punished in this life or things keep going wrong. So they have this perception and an idea. And nowadays that makes me laugh when they say that because I know that when we're in the spirit realms place, there is no judgment about whether a lifetime that we experience is good or bad, no matter what we do. The only judgment comes from the yeah. judgment that we put on it here. And so when I've taken clients back, and I had one recently that was really, I mean, it was really grim. Uh, this guy went back into a lifetime where he was a prison warden. It was, uh, again, it was sort of 7th, 16th, 17th century and not, he, you know, he not only was he a prison warden, but there was slavery, uh, there was abuse of children, there was a lot of murders going on. He treated the prisoners as though they, he was, they were his own personal playthings, and uh, and it was, it, it was really unpleasant. It was really, really dark. But of course, what I know is that, you know, the experiences that we have on the earth plane, you know, our souls have got to experience all the contrast so good and bad and uh you know the extremes on on either side of it so these experiences have to happen and he had tapped into an element of 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 life that exists and of course you know and again i stay out of judgment over it but it's 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 just an aspect of of human nature to explore and, and to be dark in that way and of course, it was really powerful. It was really, really healing because not only was he able to uh, get to a place of, of forgiving himself and understanding that this was part of his soul's journey, that he was going to experience the dark and he was committed to doing it properly, but it also meant that other members of his soul group didn't then have to do that. So he had volunteered for the really gruesome roles to save them from doing it. But he also got to understand that the victims, the, 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 the people that he had abused, they had all chosen to experience what it was like to be abused in that lifetime. So again, they were not innocent victims. This was something that they had chosen, and he had enabled them to tick that box. You know, they'd experienced the, the abuse, and they'd done it really thoroughly, which meant that they didn't have to have that experience again. So the box was ticked. The job was done. So it was mind-blowing for him because he was almost embarrassed telling me about this life because it was so dark. And yeah. I know I just, kept, I just kept moving him through it because I knew that when we got to the, 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 the space between the lives into that, the healing place, that he would, he would get these insights. And, and that's exactly what happened. He, he was blown away at the gratitude that came from the victims when they said, thank you for helping us to accomplish something that was very painful, but now we've done it and we don't have to do it again. So thank you very much. And Does this it, go it was, into the karmic concept of karma? Yeah, yeah, and it will do, definitely, for sure. But again, you see, over the years, karma has been misrepresented where people think that karma is about punishment and reward. And I don't yeah. believe it is. I believe that karma is just about balancing the slate. So what we put out there you know, we will get back in turn. So it's that idea of reaping what you sow. But you're not punished for, you know, he would not have been punished for doing those things to people in that lifetime. 
he would have accrued karma potentially with some of those souls mm-hmm. which he was going to have to deal with and he was seeing that because some of the people from that lifetime are here with him in his current life and he's, he's working through stuff with them so that all made absolute sense for him but karma is more about and certainly in the lifetimes that we experience it's more about balance and I know that any of the clients that I've worked with who have had dark past lives where maybe they were murderers or they were abusers or torturers that when I've asked them for the the, the, the balance point I've asked them to to, to go check because if they've if they've gone in as an abuser I know that there will have been lifetimes where they were abused because that's the balance yeah. point. They will have to experience the opposite of it. But also in the balance, they will also have experienced lifetimes where they were the giver, they, they were the, the, the healer, where they were giving something back. And time and time again, that is what my clients have, have recognized, so that they get out of that idea of, uh, of, of, of being punished. And, of course, also the other thing that's really key is that when they're in those lifetimes is that it's intention that is the key so if their intention in the lifetime is you know they believe that what they are doing is is right so as this even as the the prison guard he believed this was his job he thought that was his right he thought it was his duty to to punish these people because they're in prison they've done something wrong so he didn't regard what he was doing as wrong so you know mindset intention um was key so often people that have murdered other people, they see, what they're, they see what they're doing as the right thing. They might believe that they're protecting somebody else by doing it. So we may judge them. We may think that they're bad and evil because of what they're doing. But, you know, what's going on inside their own mind is actually the, 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 the key element of it. Wow, it's... Um can, is it uh, okay to ask you if um, about do animals reincarnate themselves, and also do people reincarnate as animals? I know that's kind of sure. like a question that's been thrown around for a while, but I'm curious: yeah. do animals reincarnate, or, or absolutely? Of course, yeah, because it's all soul energy. So animals definitely reincarnate, and I've had lots of clients that have uh, rediscovered or found out that their, their their pets have come back to them time and time again. So I had one client whose horse was um, from a past life was her dog in her current life, and that they the two of them had had many journeys together. And a lot of people will ask me if it's possible for humans to have been animals. And again, you know, my answer to most of these questions is I know enough to know that I don't know it all. So yeah. I, I can only say what feels true for me. And what I believe is that because it is all soul energy, if on our soul's journey we decide that we want to know what it's like to be in an animal form, I absolutely believe that it's possible. I do believe that souls in, you know, in the animal spirits vibrate at a, certain, a, a slightly different frequency to human souls. It's a, a slightly different energy, which is why their communication is, is very different. And I think that some people think that we're the evolved ones and that animals are, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if I do something wrong, I'm going to come back as a slug or I'm going to come back as an animal. I God. think we've got that the wrong way round. I, I think that it's the animals that are the, the more evolved souls. You know, they just come in and they do unconditional love and they just take what they, they need do. and they don't 
take more and 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 they you know they they just operate they flow with nature and they they're, they're much more trusting usually about nature until usually you know somebody from the human kingdom comes along and and challenges them so yes and actually it's interesting because recently uh quite a few of my clients have been tapping into experiences where they were connected either to the animal kingdom or sometimes even the elemental kingdom and i'm seeing the veils yeah i'm seeing the veils blur now again i have to say that it's the information that we get is very much determined by the questions that we ask and None of my clients have come in asking, was I an animal in a previous life? Mm-hmm. And therefore, that information hasn't come forward. Now, that's not to say that if I did start asking that question, that, that I would find, so again, this is another area for research that I would yeah. like to tap into. But recently, where clients have had questions about animals that have been in their lives, or I've asked a, a more global question about their soul's journey and about their experiences and they've asked to just go into the the most profound life that they've had rather than a, a specific question of, of take me to a past life where I was experiencing you know a, a block or whatever and uh, occasionally they have you know they've they've gone into experiences where they've connected with animal energy and I know that when I've done, I've done a lot of shamanic work over the years, and I know that when I've gone into my shamanic journeys, I've often experienced myself as uh, as an eagle, where I've been able to fly above things yeah. and, and see from a higher perspective. And and I have a, a really powerful connection with horses. You know, I have a, a, a spirit guide that is a, a horse, and I've often found myself on these journeys, you know, galloping through the plains. But I'm the horse. I'm not uh, a human riding on a horse. And again, there is the logical mind that says, this is just a metaphor. This is just a visualization. It, it's just your, you know, you're, you're tapping into, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just a visualization. And, you know, my logical mind is, is uh, going okay with that. But there is a part of me that thinks, hmm, I'm, my soul is curious by nature. Why would I not want to experience what it was like to be a bird? Why would I not want to experience yeah. what it was like to be a horse? I, indeed, why would I not want to experience what it's like to be a tree or a, you know, an elemental character, if that's possible? And do I believe it's possible? Well, yeah, why not? And as I said, I, I know enough to know I don't know the answers to that. So I'm totally open to all of those possibilities. And, and the more I learn, uh, and this, this also applies to other dimensions. This applies to, you know, we, we have all this talk about extraterrestrials. And my firm belief yeah. is you, that it's, you want, that it's you, soul energy, that it's part of our you souls. You want to talk about the ET thing? Absolutely. That I, I, yeah, absolutely. I do believe that our souls are not just going to be experiencing lives here on the Earth plane. There are so many other dimensions. There are so many other planets. There are so many other places that we can go to. Why would we limit ourselves to just having experiences here? Now, it may be that some souls choose to just incarnate on the Earth plane, but I know how nosy I am or how inquisitive, mm-hmm. inquisitive I am as a soul. So, and... 
I've actually I've I've experienced I've I've in my in my sessions in my exploration I've gone to other dimensions I've gone to lifetimes where I've been on other planets and I have as as much belief that that is true as I do about the lifetimes that I've had in ancient Egypt and uh, and and those medieval lifetimes and so again I think it's really important for people to understand that that. The, you know what we're seeing as something that's separate to us and something different to us and and often it, it creates a lot of fear when we think about the ets or, or you know extraterrestrials and something that's unknown i do believe that they are at a soul level just the same as us and again there are going to be those that are out there in those realms in those other dimensions that are operating from a place of love and there are going to be some that are operating from a place of fear but I think that when we we understand, again, where the fear comes from, and therefore we hold nothing but unconditional love and and regard for, for all of those beings, whatever they may be, then I think it can be very healing. Okay, so I want to get on another topic, and this is the peace to resistance. Uh, do we have a true love? And a soul it's a, partner. Yeah, it's a big question. It's one it's I think one. that holds a lot of people up because I think a lot of people are thinking that there is somebody who is the one. And I think that belief carries such a lot of weight because people think that when they find that one, their twin flame, their true love, that suddenly, miraculously, they are going to live happily ever after and then everything is going to be easy. And I... You know, I, I hate to be the one that disappoints people, but I really do not believe that that's true whatsoever. And in my experience, I've learned that we may have many soulmates because these soulmates are part of our soul group. They're part of our soul family. And our soulmates are the ones that come in with lessons for us to learn. So they are often the ones that come in to challenge us and help us to grow. So my clients are often blown away to find out that the torturers and the abusers that they come against in their lifetimes were key soulmates. And they were the ones that volunteered to make sure they did the job properly so that they didn't now, have to did go through it again. Now, did your clients start screaming at this point? Yeah, often they do. And they don't want it. They don't want it. They're like, no, I don't want this person to be my soulmate. But as I said, they may have wow. many soulmates. They may have many. Now, there's a difference between soulmates, and yes, I do think it's possible sometimes that we do have um, a, what we call a twin soul. And this may be what people are interpreting as somebody that might be a true love, where you feel that instant connection with somebody, like you feel like you've known them forever, and you know you're so alike. It's you, you, you just the bond is so so strong. And what that may be sometimes not always but sometimes is that when we incarnate sometimes our soul energy splits so we can come down in more than one body at a time and that twin soul element the twin flame may be an other part of our own soul energy so we feel that bond that connection that's almost like glue because it's a part of ourselves and that's why it feels so familiar that makes and sense. Why, yeah and it's why the draw that to that person sense. is so strong Really Bragging yourself, that makes sense. Yeah, wow. but here's the other you're thing. You're recognizing, you're recognizing. Yeah, part, part of yes. you. 
also, and here's the, the other tricky bit, is that that isn't always a romantic connection because they may come in as the same sex. They may come in at a totally different time, so there may be a huge age gap that occurs. And also, that connection is often so intense, it's so strong, and because that person is an absolute mirror of you, oftentimes these souls can't bear to be with each other. They, they end up fighting like cat and dog because it's, it's too intense, it's, it's too much. And so, it, again, it doesn't mean so that true. they're going to live together perfectly. It's not going to happen. I had this so relationship I, a long time yeah. ago. This guy was a Ness Pierce Indian, okay? Right. I'm a Greek girl with red hair. This right. guy was Ness Pierce. People used to yeah. think we were brother and sister. We are that right. close. Yeah. And they would say, you guys are brother and sister. And we'd look at each other like, what the hell? Because we fought like hell. But we had that right. chemi- chemistry that was really yeah. intense. People couldn't even sit between us. It was so yeah. horrible. The whole thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. They thought we looked like brother and sister. We did not look alike. But yeah. to other people were, observing us. Yeah. They were oh. picking up the energetic connection between the two of you. And again, right. often what happens is that you've come in with a very distinct lesson, something that you need to teach each other, something that you need to learn. And once you've learned the lesson, once you get it, it means that you no longer need to, to, to stay together. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then and letting so go uh, letting go of that person was like letting go of my left arm. But I yes. had to do the letting go because I felt like I was working through maybe generational father kind of something or other, who knows what. But yeah. uh, I, I, did, I did have to do that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, wow, that kind of made me nervous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you've been and talking course- about... And, of course, when people are waiting for the one, you know, often they will meet people and, you know, they may just like each other and there's a bit of a connection there, but they're waiting mm-hmm. for bells and, and, and whistles and they're, they're waiting for, you know, the, the, the sign from the universe to tell them that this person is, is the one. And when it doesn't happen, they, they, they kind of bypass them. They think, oh, no, it can't be you then, or something mm-hmm. doesn't you know, fit right, so they, they totally disregard that person. And they may, in that case, be totally missing out on something that may be really, really wonderful because actually that person may be there to, to share something really profound with them. So I always say to people, when they're on that search for the one, rather than trying to look for it outside of themselves, to actually find, to, to become to become who it is they want to be and to actually heal self, learn to love themselves, and then when they learn to love themselves, it means that they can bring into their sphere, into their life, somebody that will reflect that, somebody that will be the mirror of that love they have for themselves, and then they can have uh, a more blissful and a more kind of cooperative uh, relationship that, that goes on. But but not to bypass people because they don't think they're ticking all the boxes and they're not the one, because I don't think there is one. Yeah, because there's socks mismatch or... Or this yeah. or that, you know, just keep an open mind, open heart to yeah. everyone and try to hold people in positive regard and just go about with love. That's, that's to me, seems like be the answer. But you yeah, notice absolutely. that uh, I have men and women come up to me boldly in the street and hug mm-hmm. me or put or mm-hmm. put my their hands in my face and say, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. Look at your hair or, or whatever. 
Right. And it's almost like, you know, it depends on your attitude, really. Yes. You know, if you go out there with a smile on your face or an openness in your eyes, you're opening yourself yeah. up for a lot of love, which we all need. I feel like we need it desperately. Yeah. You know, Indeed. And love is and making this all go around. It certainly is. And it's really funny because, and it's only over the last sort of little while that the penny has started to drop about this, but my whole life, wherever I've gone, and I've done a lot of traveling, I've traveled all over the world, and wherever I've gone, when I meet new people, they always say to me, gosh, you're really familiar. I really feel like I know you, or you really look like my next-door neighbor, or you look like my auntie, and it's not just you look a little bit like them. It's like, oh, my God, you're almost identical. You really look like this person. And I've always joked and said, wow, I must have a really common face. But actually, what I think is happening is that there is an almost a a kind of a a soul family connection. There is there's obviously something that that is sort of tapped into where there is a thread, a common thread that links us to because we're all one anyway. You know, we're all part of the same energy. We're all part of the same family. And because I've worked over the years to get to that place where I can have unconditional love for, for, you know, for everybody, for all souls. You know, I don't like everybody. I don't like everybody's behaviors. I don't want to be around everybody. But no matter who they are or what they do, I can love them unconditionally. And I think I've always had that, that sort of spark within me anyway and I think maybe that that's what these people were seeing that there was an awareness even from a small child that I was part of a global family that I was part of everything and and therefore the, 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 I didn't feel such a separation from everybody and that I think that's is the essence of what thing. people were, were were picking up that you know that there was this commonality that there is this thread that, that unites us all and it really is, and what does? Well, that's the way I felt about you. So, just uh, that you're a very open and loving person, and that really helps a person bloom or feel. You know what I mean? You yeah. allow a person to feel around you, and uh, yeah. because you're safe, so that that means a lot. So, uh, let's take this this uh, last time. And, uh, we're almost at the end of our two hours, believe it or not. Um, wow. And let's tell us, what's your next project coming up? And tell us about where to get your books and CDs. Okay. So, well, I've, I've started working on the next book, which um, I'm quite excited about, which will extend things even more. Uh, but I am, well, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be running a retreat in Egypt in December, which uh, I've, I've been running for a few years now, and it's it's really quite profound the experiences that people have it's it's uh in a very remote spot out by the desert there is no trouble going on out there into the place where we go because it's it's near the sinai desert so it's it's very peaceful it's very beautiful and uh i'll be rolling those out uh into various different places so possibly turkey and uh i'm I'm just looking into some other sites as well so there'll be information about that on my website People can go to my website to find information about the book or they can go on Amazon or they can go to Findhorn Press, who are my publishers, and they can buy the book there. The CD is also available. Yeah, it's Findhorn, F-I-N-D-H-O-R-N, Findhorn Press. 
Uh, as I said, Amazon, Barnes & Noble have the, the books and the CDs as well. And uh, on my website, there's quite a lot of information. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of interviews on there. There are a lot of uh, videos on there, both of, of interviews that I've done and uh, other information about uh, past lives and, uh, and, and lots of interesting reference points. There's a couple of free uh, recordings on my website if they want to go on there on the media page that can take people into a hypnosis state, a relaxation state, but also can guide them into experiencing a positive past life where they just go back and tap into a lifetime where they had resources so rather than having to delve into something that needs therapy and that can be very insightful for people and it, it helps them to to really get that sense that they are interdimensional or multi-dimensional beings i should say yeah and, and uh, uh we have a lot of time you know that's another thing people are rushing through this life, really enjoy yeah. it, enjoy it, because you're going to have a lot more of them. <laughs> so, Absolutely. You know, and, and get as like much fit as you can now so that you don't have to carry that stuff over into the next life. Right, right. And, and I sometimes do work on Skype. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I sometimes do work on Skype, and, and I am coming backwards and forwards to the U.S., and I'm hoping I should be back in uh, in the fall. So oh, if, good, if people good, were good. interested in having sessions with me, then they can uh, they can email me and I'll let them know yeah, where I'm going to be there. Forward to it. Yeah, just give me a little heads up and I I can uh, let everybody know that uh, you're coming yeah. uh, to town. And, uh, yeah, and her website is www.innerjourneys.co.uk. You know, you've been an awesome guest, and I want to thank you so much for the work you're doing. That's Helping to lower the pain of the world, because that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to help people, uh, to guide people. And uh, it's just that we're not walking around with uh, just carrying all this pain that you're helping alleviate mm-hmm. and help people and guide people forward. And that this can be a really good life. And, uh, you know, the healing through the past life is, a, is an amazing and beautiful thing. And I can actually see, uh, see you know, now that we have DNA, People yeah. are tracing the real family back to Neanderthals, like you brought up yeah. before. You yeah. know, so you don't think there is a it, like you would scoff and oh no, we don't have a past life as a Neanderthal. Yes, you do. It's in yeah. your DNA. Yeah. Not yeah, everybody. Absolutely. And, but, and this work you know, actually one of my friends the found DNA. it out. What? This work is actually changing the DNA. When it's now starting to be proven that uh, we can actually oh, change good. our DNA. It's not. It's not set in stone. I thank God for that because I, I believe that uh, the how we think and and how we you know run and conduct ourselves is mm-hmm. how actually we can change ourselves. You know, it's a spiritual yeah. journey for me, and uh, the spiritual is uh, more of a non-violent, loving, expansive, yeah. uh, all-embracing, and uh, openness and without fear. You know, yeah, we can all go forward without fear. I think that we have, you know, more to offer. And, you yeah. know, at the little end of the whole uh, whole thing, do you think we go back to our creator? Indeed, I do think that we return back to source. I think that's the ultimate aim, to lift our vibration high enough that we can ascend, that we can go back home. And then we've got a choice about whether or not we want to come back to be a guide for others, but we don't necessarily come back with all of the, the burdens and the, the lessons that we have to go through. So I think that uh, 
that element of it could be not necessarily fun, but, uh, you know, that that could be a much nicer way of being here. So, yeah. Yes, it's, it's beautiful. So uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your early morning and uh, go to bed pretty soon because it must be 4 o'clock over there. And, uh, it is. I appreciate your time <laughs> so much. And this show will be available in archives. You can listen anytime you want. And uh, thank you. we appreciate you so much. And come back anytime. And please let me know about your projects. And yes. uh, I, we would love to attend, and uh, we'll keep this going. And I want to thank you yeah. so much. And you take care well, and come back you. anytime. Thank you so okay, much for having me. You're very welcome. Bye now. Take care. Okay, bye bye. Well, I just want to just thank uh, Lorraine Flaherty, uh, one in a million person. I just went, I met her a couple months in North Hollywood when she is here visiting from the UK. Uh, extraordinary human being. Um, if you meet her in person, uh, she's very kind, and uh, you can tell by her voice and her demeanor over the phone. Uh, that what kind of person she is, and you know what, she's really like that. She just uh, they gave me the biggest hug, and uh, that's how I met her. We're up in North Hollywood, and uh, I just want to thank all the listeners tonight for listening to an ex- extraordinary show, really, that shows us that um, by getting a healing, we can actually live this a better life and actually live a better past life. And I know the concept had been uh, unusual for me, and now I, I understand it more than I ever have in my whole life. So it gives me a lot of uh, hope. And uh, I want to tell you the same thing. There is hope. So if you believe in uh, uh, that this is a spiritual realm and that we're in the material world trying to figure this whole thing out, uh, you need any help and you want to do uh, past life regressions and things like that, please get a hold of Lorraine Flaherty. Uh, you, you wouldn't, she's a licensed therapist and she's an awesome lady. Her email is info at innerjourneys.co.ukis. And also her website is www.innerjourneys.co.uk. And I want to thank everybody for being with us tonight. And God bless you. And have a wonderful week. Um, and remember that we're the Zero uh, International is putting on the... Uh, Francisco Grove UFO Encounter in Mexico's Roswell with speakers Ruben Uarte and Noe Torres at the Veterans Memorial Complex, 4117 Overland Avenue. That's going to be in Culver City tomorrow night. The doors open at 6.30 and the show starts at 7. And we go to Denny's after and uh, we stay up and talk and talk and talk our heads off and the guests are there too. So we all uh, rent a room over there and we talk till the wee hours of the morning usually. So that's going to be Saturday night at the Ciro International, www.cerointernational.com. And I'd like to play a little song that, uh, let's see, what can I play? What can I play for you guys? Now, it's Ricky G's, Ricky, 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 Ricky G's birthday today. Happy birthday, Ricky. God bless you. I'm going to play Ricky's song. So God bless you. And it's Ricky's song, Imagine. Happy birthday, Ricky. Good night, everybody. Power to the people, you know, 
anybody knows that the people have the power, all we have to do is awaken the power in the people. The people are unaware. It's like they're not educated to realize that they have power. They have power. They have power. They have power. Imagine there's no heaven or hell for you. Can you imagine such an easy thing to do? Can you imagine a world with no borders? A world with no laws, more love than no borders. A place where we can stand hand in hand. Can you imagine? I wonder if you can. You can tell that I'm a dreamer, living life, having fun. But I imagine I'm not the only one. Can you imagine a world with no pain? Can you imagine no more wars and God's name? Imagine no religion and no more sin.